It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome into the Seminole Rap Podcast. Uh, appreciate you guys listening in and, and taking instructions, assuming you're listening because we told you last week we were going to be here on Monday for you, not Monday morning, but Monday afternoon because Max was at the game, uh, 45 to 3, and I'm not really even going to get into the details of it because the first question I want to ask, ask is directly to Max, Max Escarpio, who I should have introduced. I'm Brian Pellerin. But Max, straight to you, man. Um, put me there. What was it like? You're a Miami a Miami. I almost called you Miami kid, uh, Miami grown adult who didn't know Cadillac Williams last week. Well, what was it like to be a Florida state guy at the game? I think right when I got there, I saw like the tailgating atmosphere. I saw the tents outside and I talked to a couple people and I knew it wasn't usually like that. Cause I talked to them and they said, no, this is surprising. I saw the, the rows of the tents and everyone just like face painted and, tattoos on their face of, of the um logo and everyone just like in costumes for the um game and i knew it wasn't like that so it was it was an important game for them it was an important game for all the fans that they wanted to win obviously it wasn't close but <laughs> when i got into the stadium too i hadn't usually felt this because when i usually go to hard rock i'm there for like a dolphins game or like a um game where they're playing kind of like a mid-level opponent so i got there and i heard like the rowdiness from from the fans and then each end zone had a pretty good crowd around it. So I was expecting that to kind of hurt Florida State and kind of hurt the, the energy atmosphere. Obviously, they've dealt with other places like NC State and LSU. So it wasn't going to like just take them completely off their game. But I thought it might have just hurt Florida State in that sense. 
it obviously didn't when when Florida State got the first touchdown with Ontario Wilson. I think the atmosphere was better than I thought, but we know what happened with that, and the fans started trickling out at halftime. Yeah, I made the joke on uh, the Knowles News Now today that um, – what, what did I say? that? Yeah, for the first half, or for, you know, Florida State dominated the first quarter, took a huge lead, and then uh, for the second half, it looked more like a traditional Miami crowd. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was, it wasn't close. And, and I don't, I, I, my other question would be the general sense of, uh, it sounds like they thought they had a pretty decent chance to win. Uh, this was a text I got from a Miami friend, a Miami friend of mine, uh, Sam, who won't be listening, but I'll put his name out there just cause a little Easter egg for Perry. Uh, it was 40, his text, uh, Saturday morning was 48, three Knowles today. Can't be any more confident. Hopefully they turn on a running clock in the second quarter. We suck pretty close. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he was definitely close. I was expecting a closer game just because of the in-state. We, we talked about it. We talked about, like, kind of the in-state rivalry. What we also talked about, both of us, before last week, we said that this – I mean, at least I said that the spread was just a little bit too close. We've seen both of these teams. We saw Florida State come off a dominating win against Georgia Tech. It just seemed too close for what UM was kind of dealing with in the quarterback room and dealing with in, in their program right now. Obviously, the spread was too close. So – I think I expected a closer game, but it turns out it it it's what it should have been. Not should have been like that dominant, but Florida State comes out on top. Florida State comes out on top by double digits, and that's what should have happened. That's where both programs are at right now. Yeah, it's funny because you know I talked about it for the few weeks leading into that bye week, where where me, you, and John were discussing kind of where the team was, where they're sort of headed and our discussion centered around which was the most difficult game left on the schedule. And I was pretty adamant. I thought that it was going to be this game. I thought going on the road against a uh, in-state rival that traditionally this should be a very close game. And, you know, as we got closer to game time um, last week, and, and even on the pod when you and I were discussing it last week, I just, I finally decided that this just wasn't going to happen. Like it just wasn't going to be there for Miami. And, and uh, you know, Friday I was playing video games with my friends late and, you know, we were talking about, you know, college football stuff. Cause they know, I, you know, I write my little picks article every week that a lot of you guys get involved in. And um, you know, they were like, what do you like this week? And I told them my two favorite things was I think Notre Dame money line against Clemson is, is a fun bet because I don't think Clemson is that good. And I said, I would start walking that Florida state seven and a half line down, eight and a half down. And they were like, Oh, you tease it to like one. I was like, no, I would walk it to 14. I'd walk it to 13. Like I, Miami's terrible. I just, I I was texting with that Miami friend over the weekend where I thought this team was going to figure it out. I thought as the year went along, Tyler Van Dyke would eventually get a grasp of the offense and we can get to the way he played in this game in a bit, but I mean, by Friday for the picks article and the um, the staff predictions. I mean, I mean, even looking at the staff predictions, I was kind of surprised. I was one of the first one to get mine in because I do write the picks article, but I, I pretty much just wrote like Florida State's better. Like they're just better. I, I I put thirty-one to six as my expected final because I just I just kept waiting on Miami to find it, and I, I last week after watching them barely beat a terrible Virginia team without even scoring a touchdown in four overtimes of football that they're just not going to find it. It's just not going to happen this year. It's it's November. You can't still be that level of bad. I think what I thought is just like the in-state rivalry and the the fact that 
we've had such a terrible season. What do we have to lose? Let's go out there. Let's take a couple of shots downfield. Let's just try to beat this team and, and try to get back in the momentum. I thought it was going to be a closer game. I had a, I definitely had a closer kind of scoring margin before. So I, obviously I, I was wrong about that. And Florida State, yeah, just like you said, Florida State's just a better team. If I can ask you, do you think because we've known we've known about Mario Cristobal's kind of issues on field. We know what he can do off the field after the Kamani McLean commitment, after all the commitments, the blue chip visits that he gets. Do you think that's already showing of what Mario can do on the field? Or do you think it's the fact that those aren't his recruits? So I think it's 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 a complex question because I think the short answer is no, I don't think we're seeing his deficiencies yet. But at the same time, I can very clearly point to Notre Dame. I can point to LSU. I can point to USC. And those are programs that in year one under new head coaches are improving. Um, and look, does that mean that every team under a new head coach should be better no um but you know i mean there's the argument that like okay well notre dame was set up really well that was a team that should have gone to the playoff a year ago so you know of course mark marcus Freeman was going to figure that out once they figured their scheme out and, and they were going to be better um okay i can give you that one usc is better because lincoln took the best receiver in the country and one of the best quarterbacks in the country paired them together and they just score a ton of points okay fine um we talked about this heading into the LSU game, and, and I've said it countless times that I, you know, I'm an LSU guy. Went there, LSU in the bowl game last year had 36 scholarship players. 36 guys at when Brian Kelly took the job on roster. They just beat Alabama. They're going to probably be ranked number seven in the country when the playoff rankings come out tomorrow. This t- like that team is clearly better, and for some reason, Miami has what. 10 weeks into the year now, eight, eight, nine weeks into the year now, looked worse every time they've stepped on the field. And, and I don't know how much of that is Mario's in-game coaching. I think his, his whole philosophy seems to be, we're just going to be rougher, tougher, like Dan Campbell with the Lions. Like, we're just going to out-tough you. And my concern with that, if I was a Miami fan, which obviously we're not here, would be that if he's unwilling to change the I'm just going to do it this way, then I don't know how you can win in college football today because like you have one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Like no one out here is doubting Tyler's ability to throw the football. They're awful at moving the ball. Now, now look this week, I don't think Tyler belonged on the field. I, I, I mean, he made the throw away early in that game and immediately grabbed his arm. Like he can't even throw the ball away. Why is he out there? Like that's so unfair to him. But I, I, you know, I, I can't understand that. Like he came into a system where there was clearly a great quarterback, explosive running backs. I understand the receiver room isn't great, but they are just, they're anemic on offense. And it's like, well, we're going to do it the way I want to do it. And it's like, well, it's not working. So like, why would you like, you know, it's like, well, they'll get better players and get better. I'm like, He's got a really great quarterback now that they're just putting in spots to not help him succeed. And again, this is injury time for him, but yeah, I'd be concerned. I mean, especially when there's things like the transfer portal, I I would have expected Miami to be better, especially if you're paying Cristobal the way you are. 
Yeah, and getting these recruits like the way you are too. You're going to get them next year, but looking at them and, and seeing what you showed against Florida State, you I think you had around 60 recruits there. So you're going to put that on the field just like right after you put what you put Virginia on the field. Like you just haven't shown anything. And then you have Josh Gaddis, who comes from Michigan, one of the best offensive coordinators in the game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, although he played with a couple quarterbacks, he couldn't find much success. He hasn't seemed like he, he's he's kind of knowing what they're going to do there in Miami. And we haven't even mentioned their abysmal defense who just got destroyed by Florida State's offense. Yeah, and, and it's interesting because, you know, I, I – and, and look, we'll get to the actual game itself, but I, I do think there's, to Max's point, a really interesting um, – like subsect of this conversation specifically around Miami because they're terrible, like uh, unfathomably terrible. And, and it's hard to understand when you do look at a coaching staff that is Mario, who's considered I, a, a good coach, you know, I don't, I want to know if I'd say a great coach, but you know, his teams in, in Oregon did well. Again, like you said, his reputation is great recruiter, terrible coach. Um, which can win though, but okay. But the, you, your coordinators, your offensive coordinator, like you said, Gaddis, who was the, was he Broyles award winner last year for assistant of the year? Yes. Um, and then Kevin Steele, who, you know, when he was at Auburn, he led a great Auburn defense. My wife in Auburn grad was like, I would take him as the head coach in a second because their defenses were great when he was there. When he was LSU's defensive coordinator, he was terrible. I think he was the defensive coordinator. Was it at, Clemson or was it West Virginia vice versa when they gave up like 75 points in an orange bowl? I, I mean, you know, I, I don't know what Kevin Steele is and it seems like his system either fits or doesn't. And, and maybe Miami is just a system where it just doesn't, but for a, for a program like that, that, you know, decided a year ago, they were going to go all in and, and build a staff and win. And man, that is, that is, I mean, they're stuck with it. They're not going to fire him. I mean, they're, they're kind of stuck with it, right? I mean, that's just kind of how it fits. But don't you think, I mean, in my opinion, I guess, I mean, we're not talking about just like like firing this staff or like putting this whole staff on the hot seat, but we're saying that we don't know if they fit. At least that's what I'm saying. I, I feel like this is a team, though, that, that can turn it around quicker than a lot of the other programs in the country. You, yeah, you can, and you can. But I think if you're, if you're Mike Norvell and you're Florida State, and last year, you were the worst team. You were not as good as Miami a year ago. And I don't, I really don't care how else you frame it. You can sit here and tell me, well, we won the game. Yes, you can win the game and still be a worse team. And, and a year ago, you were worse. And this year, you are infinitely better. You proved it on a football field in front of a ABC nationally televised crew against this high esteemed head coach, this, this, this is the savior of Miami football. He's our homegrown hero who's back to do it. And Mike Norvell just went in there and absolutely smashed them at home. And, and, and it was done easily. They, they put their feet up in the second half and just said, we'll just, we'll coast to a 45-3 win. A, a coasting is normally like, ah, they get a late score. Not even. You, you started turning the ball over. Like, you, you, you dominated them. And as, as Norvell said today, you know, he told, was it uh, Jamie, Jamie that, uh, you know, his tackle was like, he's like, that's going to be in the highlight reel for FSU Miami going forward. I mean, and that summed up the whole game. I mean, you were with one hand stronger, tougher, and just better than Miami. And that's got to feel great for this program. 
Yeah, I mean, you saw what Jared Verse did. You saw what Jamie Robinson did. I, I, <laughs> the level of, I don't know if it's disrespect, but just them seeing the fans and seeing kind of kind of stamping their names as like, not the Florida State program is back, but the Florida State program is back to compete against a team like the University of Miami and Florida and and win those state championships. Oh, it wasn't but two years ago that, that you would have been the joke. Like this would have been a joke. Exactly. I mean, two years ago, and again, Miami, I mean, 2019, Miami was sitting where they were number two in the country. Florida in 2020 was sitting there as should have, they were on their way to the playoff. And then that guy threw a shoe against LSU. They got the 15 yards, LSU kicks field goal. They lose that one. They get smashed by Alabama. The following year, it ends up as a disaster. And then Dan Mullins fired. They're back at square one. What I've said coming into this year and leading through the way this year has gone, Florida looks bad. Miami looks bad. And if you're Florida State, this is your chance to have Norvell and this this staff come out and make a statement. And they absolutely did it. The dominant victory over Crystal Ball, great. Great. And no matter how you slice it, I get that gives Crystal Ball the ability on the recruiting show to say stuff like, I need you and I need you to play tomorrow. I still think if you're Florida State, there's a lot of kids out there that you can go to and say, you'll play tomorrow. You know, John talks about that blue chip level, that that type of, um, talent just isn't on this Florida State roster. But you can't tell me like this team isn't getting better each week. And so if you're a, a talking programs and where Miami is, you've got to assume your coach, when it comes to the schematics and understanding and the way to play the game, is simply better. Your team has improved every week since week one. Yes, you played three very good opponents in the middle of the year that, that kind of jumble that up. But you had every chance to beat NC State. You had every chance to beat Clemson. Wake Forest, you don't blow the second quarter. It's the same thing. And when I look at the way this team acted on Saturday, you know, the, the breaking the U over your knee and, and all those types of things, like, yeah, like, yeah, flex on it. Because you were a joke two years ago. You were a joke a year ago. You were not given a chance to start this season to do anything. You know, there were people six and six is your, is your ceiling. Let's see you make a bowl game first. Well, they're there. They're there, and they've got three very winnable games right in front of them. So, yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you. Florida State's back, announce it, and, and be damn proud of it because that was that was an ass kick. Is that is that back for the state? Is that back for the ACC, or is that just back nationally? Well, look, that's the thing, right? Because if you look at what they have in front of them, you can't change what's in front of you. You, you have Syracuse, you have Louisiana, and you have Florida. If you handle what you should – Two out of three should win two out of three, right? I uh, Louisiana is a given. I'm, I am fully confident. I understand we can all go back and say Jacksonville State a year ago. This football team is not that. I yeah. don't believe they're that. Um, you handle that one, and I fully believe you can beat a Syracuse or a um, or a Florida. I don't think Florida's that good. I, I don't. I mean, yes, Anthony Richardson is electric, and uh, Etienne is really dynamic as a runner they don't have much else the defense is still really bad georgia took really i mean georgia's georgia i can't i can't say well look at that they're bad um georgia took advantage of it and AM couldn't uh, you're a football team that can take advantage of teams deficiencies you play solid enough defense you run the ball really well and if you had to you trust jordan to throw the ball you should beat two out of three you very well could win all three and you're nine and three and that's 
not even, I, I mean, when we did our bi-week show, I was like, I think 5-0 and is a pipe dream. 4-1, and one, take it and be thrilled with it. At this point, you can easily go 5-0 and oh because you're better than every team on your schedule. And you're improving. That's all you can ask for. You're playing without your starting running back. You're still rushing for 140 yards, 160 yards at will. And, and yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if they're back to national title. You handle what's right in front of you. You go to next season and you handle what's in front of you. You know, the year is different. All the teams are going to be different. Transfer portal and all that's going to shake things up. We saw, I mean, earlier today, even after the win, Sam McCall was out here like, I'm transferring. Oh, my bad. It was emotional. Never mind. I'm not. I'm go Knowles. But like, you know, I mean, these are college kids. Things are kind of all over the place. But you don't know what it's going to look like for a year from now. But what you can say, this team has improved. They're growing. They respect their coach. And they've got a little attitude to them where you flatly haven't had that for what, four years, maybe more? Yeah, I think it was so good is that we talked about after the bye week, how is Florida State going to respond? How are they going to come back from these three losses? And we know that they had to dominate against Georgia Tech. I wasn't expecting a dominate domination like that against Miami, but we know that the improvement had to go on if you wanted to have that 4-1 and one, if you wanted to have that 5-0 and oh record, which is obvious that we've seen. And it's obvious that right now you're – you're favorited to win those next three games because Syracuse went down against Notre Dame. They went down against Clemson and they're on the downfall, just like Florida. I was watching the game, the Florida Texas A&M game before I had left for the UM game. And I just saw like there, I saw their corners. I saw their safeties just get eaten up. And I, I, I guess I just had a smile on my face because I can just, I just know what Jordan Travis can do. And that kind of put my, my confidence up for the three and oh. Yeah, I mean, look, and we can go through it, right? Syracuse will be the toughest one. I, I I think it all comes down to whether or not Garrett Trader plays next week. He didn't play this week. He warmed up for the game. I have no idea what his injury is. It looked like maybe concussion in that game against Notre Dame. He got hit kind of hard. It looked like he hit his head on the on the on the turf there. I I don't know. They're not saying so. I don't know. Uh, last week, the strategy was they're not going to say anything and you're going to find out when we line up and play. He warmed up and then didn't play. So was that just gamesmanship? He went out there and warmed up or is he actually close to playing with whatever his injury actually is? I don't know, but he makes them a whole lot better. If he's not out there, you're going to you're going to blow out Syracuse. Like if he's not out there, I, I'm confident that that's a great defense. They're not going to move the ball on you and no one's going to stand in front of this r- rushing attack long enough to just dominate like you. I just can't express, and you're probably, if you're listening, you're like, I want to hear some Miami X's and O's or, or whatever. What I'll tell you is I just don't think that exists in this game. I, I don't see it. I, I If you, I mean, they said it today, or uh, Crystal Ball said it today, or no, Kevin Steele, defensive coordinator for Miami, said it today, that Miami or Florida State ran counter like 30 times. They ran the same play 30 times. And it just kept working because you're just better. Trey Benson is bigger, stronger, faster. Your line's bigger and better. You're just better. And I I don't really have the will to waste the time to just tell you Miami sucks, Florida State is better. So, yeah, I mean, when it comes to to Syracuse, I don't think if if Garrett Trader's out there, they have a chance. And then if I think he is out there, yeah, I think it might be a good game. I still have confidence because this team has all the things. But, again, it's it's the win a little year, so your margin for error is smaller if they're good but I still think you're a better football team. Yeah. I think the reason we're not talking about Miami, because we just like 
after Boston College, after Georgia Tech, even after Duquesne, we looked at the next one and we looked at what's what's going to happen next for Florida State. And it doesn't seem like it because it's an in-state game. It's a Miami team with a higher name. But that's not what it was this game, which is why we're not talking about the plus 400 yards or four, two fumbles and two interceptions. We're not talking about all that because it was just another one of those games that Florida State dominated. Yeah, and, and look, I've brought it up a couple of times. They needed to win the turnover battle, right? And they finally did it. You know, I, I, I great. That's excellent. Um, but again, I mean, Miami sucks. I mean, I have nothing else to it. Like, that's that's my synopsis of that game. Miami sucks. They are terrible. They are not a good football team. Tyler Van Dyke didn't, didn't belong on the field. He was too hurt to play. The other guys aren't good. You're better. You're a better football team. Move on. Wipe your hands of it. Move on. That's it. If someone has anything from Miami, like, oh, if we no, there's no, there's nothing. There's no rebuttals. You're just better. So yeah, I, I would prefer to look ahead. And I think, you know, I mean, if you went out and you go nine and three to end this year, I mean, this conference, I mean, you're looking at a good bowl game. Like you're looking at a, at a really good bowl game where I think before the year, if I told you, you made a bowl game, everyone would have taken the result. Like I would just said, look, I don't know what your record is going to be. You make a bowl game. I think Florida State fans would said, take it done. You go nine and three, you might finish as the second best team in this conference, third best team in this conference. You know, is that a New Year's Six bowl? I don't know. But if you're ranked in the low in the low twenties, now you win three games in a row here. You're sitting at nine and three, maybe. I mean, you might be you might be in a Cotton Bowl. You might be. I, I, I assume uh, whoever wins the ACC championship is going to uh, the Orange Bowl. I don't think they'll make the uh, the playoff. I, I think Syrac- or, uh, Clemson lost their way out of that this week, but. Um, you know, I think you're heading to a great bowl game and everything, everything is in front of you. And, and I think, honestly, I thought Georgia tech, Georgia tech didn't have their quarterback either. And they gave you a better game than Miami did. I, and I mean, again, I, I feel bad because it feels weird that I'm sitting here. Like, I don't care to talk about Miami. They're just bad. You're better. You're better. Wipe your hands of it. It's the same as Duquesne. Get us off the field. We'll move on. Yeah. Which is why we're talking about so much about the remaining schedule and talking about that this week's game for Garrett Schrader. This was the first update that I saw today, and it was from a reporter from Syracuse.com said, Dino Babers continues to keep specifics on Garrett Schrader close to his chest. He pushed to clarify whether it's lower body, but Babers says it was an, quote unquote, it was an owie. So from my understanding, looking at that, from what they're reporting, it looks like he's going to ease into it and he's going to ease into practice this week. From my, I'm not just going to say, oh, he's going to play or he's not. From the reports I've read, I say get ready for Garrett Schrader to be on the field just like he warmed up last year, I mean last week. So we might see him, but just like you said, Florida State, should should they win that game if Garrett Schrader is still on the field? Yeah, and and part of it, I I think college football probably needs to have injury reports as as they eventually start leaning into these – gambling entities and, and, and whatnot, you know, I'm yeah, sure these everyone's schools, just searching around. Like it's, it's, I mean, it's like, you know, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's Brian texting Max an hour before FSU Miami to see if Treshawn Ward's warming up and he's like, yeah, he's warming up with the ones. And then next thing you know, he's not playing at all. So, I mean, yeah, it's that I, it's just, it's impossible to do many gambling things if they're going to be sponsored <laughs> with it. I just, whatever. But yeah, I mean, I that's what Babers did last week. He did the same thing where it's like, oh, I'm not going to tell you anything. I'm not going to tell you anything. And then before the game, he warmed up and the next thing you know, he's not playing. 
and you just do you find out when the first team offense jogs on the field like that's uh, but again, I, I mean, I have to think the odds makers are baking that in, that it's a real possibility he plays. But I mean, you talked about it before, that this this Syracuse team was going to catch a losing streak here. They had Clemson, they had Notre Dame, they had uh, Pitt, who are, you know, Pitt was Pitt, and they didn't even have, uh, I, which is, I'm a butcher his name, a Benacandi, Benaconda, Benaconada, whatever his name is. So they're, they're great, yeah, they're great running back. Didn't have him. Still one doesn't matter, and I just think Florida State at pretty much—I don't even want to call it full strength because you're still missing Trayshawn. But when at full strength, you're just a better football team again. That's that's what I see when I look at this week. I see a you are a better football team, even going on the road. You should handle this just fine. And what does it take to handle this game right now and keep going? You know, I I I think it's it's sticking to what they've had success with, right? The last two weeks, it has been a steady diet of Trey Benson, and that's pretty much it. I mean, really, it's just been a steady diet of Trey Benson. But I mean, if you if you have this success running the ball, you're not going. I mean, I just don't see the path to losing. And, And even this is where I'm at with this team is is even if they don't have that type of success. Maybe there's that Syracuse's defensive line, their front seven is good enough. They're going to stop the run. I trust Jordan Travis. I I think the bye week was great to reset him. He played great against Miami, made the plays he needed to. He had that one throw that was like, I think it was the first drive that was like, Ooh, that's a pick, but then it was DPI. But, um, I mean, the next throw is an absolute dime over the top of everyone right in right in Pokey's hands over the defense. A couple steps, he's in the end zone. Like, I have full confidence in Jordan playing on the road. I think you've played the best teams you've played. I think NC State's defense is, is better. Yeah, they gave you troubles. But I think there was going to be a clunker in this season eventually. I think NC State hopefully was your clunker. And if that's the case, then you, I think you rolled the last three games. And, and yeah, I do think you're better than – uh, Syracuse. I don't think the defense for Miami need or for Florida State needs to do like shut down like they did against Miami. Um, but I think if Schrader doesn't play, you'll be just fine. I mean, you won't need you. You won't even need a Herculean effort to hold them down. I mean, and if he does play, great. Stop him from running. That's pretty much all you got to do. Yeah, I think all that was been like kind of underrated is that we've talked about the offense, talked about running up the score. Talked about how the receivers, the running backs, how good they played. Obviously, Jordan Travis. But when Florida State, in my opinion, when Florida State got Fabian Lovett back, he hasn't just jumped out of the stat sheet, but he kind of molded this defensive line back together. Jared Verse obviously keeps getting healthy. And then I'm taking that defensive line against those two running quarterbacks and Garrett Schrader and Anthony Richardson, who have legs and can get out of the pocket. I'm taking that defensive line from what I've seen. Kalen DeLoach can kind of track them and – that's why I have Florida State favored in the next three games is because I've seen this defense and I've seen them improve, and obviously they're healthy now. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like they are coming together at the right time. And look, I mean, if you wanted to sit here and be a cynic and say, hey, you guys are idiots, you're getting too far ahead of yourself, Miami, you guys, or, you know, Miami was terrible, Georgia Tech was terrible, they've looked great against two bad offenses. But I, I just – even when you play well, you can give up plays, you know, and, and 
I don't feel like in either the Georgia Tech game or the Miami game, any drive looked easy for the, for the, for the offenses. I think the defense has done a great job of making everything look difficult. I, I can't remember, and maybe there's one against Georgia Tech that's escaping me, but you know, I felt like even on the scoring drives, it was like a it was like pulling teeth to get down the field and score. And if you can play like that, college teams are going to make mistakes. And you're just you need to take advantage and, and get off the field, get the turnover if they put the ball in your way. Yeah, I think two running quarterbacks that are that are much more dynamic than the ones you just played are, are obviously going to be tougher. But I don't think they're going to give you the type of game that uh, Sam Hartman gave you. I don't think they're going to give you the type of game that, I mean, Jesus, DJ is a DJ and he's doing DJ stuff. But, I mean, DJ played unbelievable against you. I don't believe that was a product of you being bad. I think you were missing a couple key pieces up the middle. Shipley gassed you and that allowed, you know, DJ to take advantage of that. I think with Fabian, you lose that and you allow more guys to play their normal roles. I'm trying, I'm trying to, I guess I'm trying to, cause I, I've been too positive with the three and O and I haven't <laughs> So I'm trying to see like a, a problem with what I have, but I think they're just meshing together. Just like you said at the perfect time and everything's just, except for, for Trayshawn Ward being on the sideline, everything's just hitting as to where, even if you think I'm being too optimistic, what do you see from Florida? What do you see from Syracuse? Obviously, what do you see from Louisiana? to put them over Florida state right now. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, I wrote it in, in uh, my staff prediction and let me find it. Right. Because, you know, I was reading through everyone else's staff predictions and I, and I was seeing they were all close, you know, 34, 29, 38, 21. It's not close, but you know, 24, 21, 28, 23, 28, 17, you know, like a 10 to, you know, 11 points ish, most people. Right. And I just wrote like, I'm not, I'm not a Florida state guy. Like I didn't go to Florida state, this podcast, my writing for this website is the, is the only attachment I have to this team. So, I mean, when I watch them play, I'm just, I'm watching another football team. Right. And I've been very closely watching Florida this year. You know, uh, I watched them play against LSU. I watched them play against A&M last week. I watched them play against Georgia. Um, and, and same with Syracuse. I watched Syracuse and Notre Dame. I watched Syracuse and, um, NC state. I watched them in Virginia because I was in on Virginia. Let's not forget that. Um, I just don't like them. I, I simply don't like Florida that the defense is bad. They have not improved throughout the season. They remain just, they just don't have the guys. It appears they just don't have the guys to play, you know, SEC, top tier power five defense. And that's okay. Anthony Richardson can make huge runs and can be very impressive. That's as far as they go. Do you think those are kind of two similar games where, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying they're completely similar with Syracuse and Florida, but two quarterbacks that can, can throw the ball a little bit. Obviously they've used their legs a lot this season. They use the legs a lot whenever they're in the ball game. And then two kind of dynamic running backs, like you talked about with four, with Trevor and then Sean Tucker, and then those defenses that you have to exploit? So I would say yes and no. I, I, so when I, when I think of a guy like Schrader, and, and just follow me on this comparison, because it, it's a little, a little different on the way this kind of breaks down, right, is when I talk about the way – whatever, I'll, I'll just say it. 
Schrader, well, the way he runs to me is is um, Josh Allen like, where I, it's not I'm going to beat you for seventy yards. It's not that type of explosive runner. It's the we need four. I'm going to go get four. We need ten. I'm going to run and lower my head till I get ten. Um, think of like maybe a Tim Tebow type runner. You know, uh, it's it's the it's more of a power type runner. Whereas Anthony Richardson is more of a Lamar Jackson, where if he gets a corner, he's gone. A Justin Fields type runner. Uh, again, I'm I'm not saying those guys are Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson or NFL MVPs, but like the the speed styles are different. The running styles are different. Um, I also think Syracuse's defense is better. Uh, they are without their, their top corner, obviously. I do think they're still better as a defense because I think I, I think Florida is one of the worst, worst, I should say, worst defenses in the uh in power five. Just I mean, their third down defense is terrible. They're great on first and second down, but they can't get off the field. And Florida State has an offense where you feel confident in third down. You know, you feel confident in Jordan making a throw or uh, you know, Pittman finding space or Johnny Wilson just being big uh, or just handing it to Trey and no, I'm, I'm, I'm really not worried about yet in any of the three games. Yeah. It's college football. They could absolutely go out and lose against Syracuse. I just don't see them getting blown out in any of the games. I don't see them going on the field and being worse than anyone. I feel like if they lose, they just played a bad game and, and that's, that that's possible. Yeah. If you want me to take a pessimistic approach. Yeah. They could go out and lose on that approach, but no, I, I don't, I see them as similar, but in, in different ways. Yeah, and I think Florida State's at the point, too, because where you said they're not getting blown out. We don't see them getting blown in any of the next three games. No. They're at a point where even if they're not getting blown out, they're losing in the fourth quarter. They're a good enough team to come back, especially against Florida where they're going to be at home. But they're a good enough team to come back on the road and win that game because you see the talent in every single position group. Yeah, and I think I think the thing that's always interesting, and I was talking to my wife about this this weekend, is is the floor floor versus ceiling of teams, right? And for me, Florida State has reached a point where they have a floor as a team. They are a the, the offensive line has improved to a point where you are a great running team, which automatically gives you a fantastic floor. You have a quarterback you trust not to turn the ball over. You trust him to make difficult throws. You trust him to make deep passes, stretch the field. He can run. You trust the offense to give you. I think I, was it you who tweeted earlier that that like they're like the number one in um, explosive plays. I mean, like this this offense just gives you uh, it, it gives you so many options to win games. And the defense in, in that scenario, the defense doesn't have to be like the eighty five Bears. They don't have to be you know this greatest defense you've ever seen they just have to be good and they're plenty capable of just being good yeah and one of the things another thing that i can talk about the last things is that i think it's that when we see players we don't see the same aside from jordan travis i guess and aside from trey benson we don't see the same stars at least in my eyes just keep shining every week because sometimes we saw pat payton who, who obviously had some good plays against Miami. We see Lawrence Tofili shine some games. We didn't see a lot of, of Johnny Wilson and Michael Pittman in that game, 
and we saw other receivers like Ontario Wilson. So they have all these weapons where they, they look at the game plan and they say, all right, we're going to this guy this game. We're going to this guy this game. And that takes a lot of talent on the team. Yeah, and I think when you look at teams that rise, right, the teams that, that progress as the year goes along or, you know, maybe uh, outshine expectations, I guess is a good way to put it. You typically will say that's the reason. That one guy either caught fire better than we thought, um, he's, he's just carrying the team. And often that's the quarterback. Um, you know, if you look at LSU, they were terrible against Florida state in the opener they had the comeback, which was largely led by that Florida state fumble at the goal line. Um, but their quarterbacks caught fire, you know, and he's just carrying the team. Um, if you look at, you know, Alabama last year, Alabama last year, wasn't great. Uh, Bryce young again, caught fire in that last month of November. And then that went in the Heisman. You know, there's guys where typically it's like, wow, that dude has just put this team on his back and he's just going to carry him to a win. Florida State, I mean, yes, Jordan Travis has taken a huge leap and is one of the best quarterbacks in the ACC. But they're not just winning on like, wow, look at Jordan Travis threw for 375 and rushed for 100. They're just handing it to Trey Benson. Or Johnny Wilson's got seven receptions for 140 and two touchdowns. Or, you know, there goes Toa Feely with two receiving touchdowns. Or they're finding so many different ways, different styles of winning. I just can't help but be impressed. I mean, a year ago, they, they didn't have anyone to go to to try to win a game. And now they just, yeah, you're right. They have so many different options that any week they can use a totally different approach to a game or a different quote unquote star to win. And they're just, it's, it's night and day from what they were a year ago. Yeah, it's just like you were talking about that usually you have that like like one budding star who's kind of just pops out. But, I mean, you've seen a couple of them. And I guess that has to do with with Norvo and the staff's success on the transfer portal because he, you've seen all those players have an instant impact. Tatum Bethune, Jared Verse, Johnny Wilson, you've seen that. And I guess the, the transfer portal is where FSU strives. Yeah, and to, be, and to John's point, and John would be here, he'd normally say the same thing, is, is you can't – it's almost impossible to carry this same success rate in the portal to, to constantly go to the well and be like, well, we'll take Illinois leftovers. We'll take Arizona state's leftovers and have it hit at this rate. So I don't know if that means, I mean, look, the, the easiest solution recruit, right. Then you don't need it to hit as high of a rate as you have. If you continue to recruit and, and build those classes, great. Um, the next solution Keep your guys, right? Or, you know, uh, I, I don't I, – I, I guess the, the last one would be to find or, – or, or having the system, right? Having the system that puts them in position to succeed. Um, and maybe that's just what it is. Maybe that's what allows the transfers to be so successful – I don't know because, you know, they've taken just everyone's scraps and they come together and they play like they've played together forever. You know, they're out here and Cam Akers is talking about how Trey Benson, you know, he's showing all the respect to number three. And I mean, he has, he's been phenomenal with a guy who, you know, with the knee injury and everything, was like, I don't know what his career is going to look like. He's been exceptional. Yeah. I think what's been so great about that is that they're kind of, not using them as rentals, but it'll kind of be of you're going to help us build to this, to where you can get us these recruits, and then they're gonna they're gonna keep shining, they're gonna keep going up, 
because once they've seen these players just star actually in the system from other teams, then obviously your recruiting from high school is going to get better. Yeah. And I mean, look, think about how well this team's running the ball. And, 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 you know, we talk about guys like Armella and, and the young guys that they brought in just a year ago. I'm, I'm, I'm not exactly a recruiting expert and I'm not going to pretend to be until the off season comes. And I actually start reading up on it as, as signing day gets closer, but you know, you've got to think they've got more coming. We just sat here and told you before the year, the two weaknesses on the team are going to be offensive line and receiver. They're phenomenal at running the ball. The receivers, you know, I don't think they're the greatest unit in the country, but they've got options all over the place. They've got, you know, between Ja'Kai Douglas and Johnny Wilson and Micah Petman and um, like McLean and Pokey Wilson. It just seems like they've got so many different options when they start connecting classes together. Look, like you said, are they back? Are they back as a program? Are they competing? Next year, those kids, these kids might go pro or run eligibility and then they got to go back to the portal and it doesn't hit. Sure. Then they could fall off. They could drop a couple of games down from, you know, maybe they finish nine and three. Then next year they go seven and five. That could happen. That's where you need the recruiting to catch up and, and cement you. But for now, if you can have this type of success and if Armella becomes a great offensive lineman, if, you know, the other guys you've brought in fill in those same holes and your offensive line goes from, wow, these guys are really good as like a, just a random assortment of guys to we've built a really strong offensive line on the back of Alex Atkins, you're a great program. Because if you're going to run the ball like they did at Memphis, then, yeah, you're a 9-10 win program every year. I mean, we've seen the offensive line improve, and we saw the the haul that they brought in last, I think, the 2022 class, Armella, Sapp, all those guys. And then who doesn't want to play behind that when you have – Players like Rodney Hill and C.J. Campbell just literally get plugged in the game at any second, have an eight-yard run, have a 16-yard run. Who's looking at that and says, no, I don't want to be there? Right. It, it, and, and considering all the things that, it, you know, a guy like Dylan Gibbons, right, who transfers in, the, the amount of stuff NIL-wise he's been able to do. And, you know, I, a lot of this transfer portal stuff is going to be breeding itself. It's all very new. The NIL situation. I don't know if paying players is new, but the situation of it is new. Uh, And the success is going to breed itself, right? Like it's going, you're going to be stacking successes. And hopefully that's kind of how this works. I I just can't say enough about the way this staff has done built this season. Um, yeah, there, there might be a bad one still lingering here. I don't see it. If they go two and one, it'd be disappointing at this point, I think. Um, but at the end of the year, if you're eight and four, I think you've got to be beyond proud of what this team is and, and the way they're growing and how they're going. I mean, it was a year ago we were sitting here and John was writing columns about why Norvell needs another year. <laughs> I mean, and to be where we're at today, it's uh, it's just really impressive. It's really impressive. you got a chance to go out and, and beat Syracuse and, and end your ACC season on a high note. And if you do that, you take care of Louisiana. If you can beat Florida, which you again, like I said, you should. You're nine and three. You swept your in-state rivals. Norvell beat both of your like your rivals in their first year. Helpful in the recruiting recruiting trail. Of course, there's a lot more to recruiting than just winning on the football field. But you know, it sets narratives. And if you set narratives, I mean, look at Jimbo, right? Jimbo's whole narrative now is he can't beat LSU. He can't beat Alabama. He can't beat even Ole Miss. So, I mean, you can pay him $10 million. You can pay the players all you want for number one classes, but 
lot of times those narratives take over. And if you can start setting that in Miami where he can't beat Norvell, you set it in Florida where he can't beat Norvell, you might end up with two more coaches fired. Those guys are going back through transition classes and you get to stack the classes. You get to run the table in Florida. And, you know, you've got to be proud with where this program is at considering where they were a year ago. Yeah, it seems like we're both agreeing on them. Just like keep climbing up and just like Norval has says of, of the success that they've built. And I mean, they're, they're, should be favored. They should keep climbing and they should just, uh, they're improving to what this program is getting. I'm not going to say they're back. I'm not going to say that Norvo is incredibly answered, but they have these different guys like Atkins. They have these different guys like Papuchis. They have these, these, these guys that just fit this program. And it's, we've seen it throughout the whole season. Yeah. And I, and I mean, look, again, at the end of the day, you absolutely smacked your opponent. You, you destroyed, and I'm calling them in the headline of this article, which Perry will probably likely change, Florida State beats inferior in-state opponent. It's just what it was. Text your friend. Text your, your Miami friend. Hey, you suck. Break a knee over your knee. Broke it, break a U over your knee. Hang it upside down. You owned them. You've owned them two years in a row. You beat them when you're the worst team. You beat them when you're clearly a better team. You're a better program at this point, and you just hope they keep building. So, I mean, I think you've got to be proud and hope they just keep it rolling into Syracuse next week, regardless of who plays at quarterback. You got anything else, Max? Any other notes? A little basketball nugget for anybody? Season starts tonight. Season starts tonight against Stetson. It's, it's going to be a, another difficult ride. Jeremiah Bembry out for the season. Deontay Green might redshirt. Uh, you're one of your best players. Baba Miller is out half the season. It's going to be another tough ride, sadly. There you go. There's the pessimism you were looking for. <laughs> Well, it's all smiles around the football team. And uh, I guess a salute to the uh, to the soccer team as well, ACC champions and uh, heading into the NCAA tournament this week. So make sure to mention them as well. Uh, Max, man, appreciate the time. Go uh, enjoy your week here. And uh, I'll go catch the Saints game here tonight on Monday Night Football. So uh, until the Syracuse pod next week, which we should be due on Sunday, I think John will be back next week. So we'll get back to our regular Sunday schedule. So until then, for Brian and Max, that's a wrap.